I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hello, welcome to Big Squid. My name is Justin Hamilton, and in today's episode, regular contributor, deep thinker, and all-round worrier about the world, Ben Elwood, joins me to break down the sixth chapter of the Watchmen graphic novel. As you're aware, I've been recording the graphic novel sections of the show in a, a pretty haphazard and chaotic order. So this episode was actually recorded the day after the Richard Feidler episode. And the reason I point this out is because there's an interesting chat about a real-life event incorporated into the graphic novel that, when I did some research, wasn't entirely true. So, while we weren't seeing this as, as an actual flaw in the story... Ben and I kind of wondered, what does it mean to take real-life events and uh, using them in a work of fiction, uh, and especially if the initial story is based on a misreported fact? And what, what I find really interesting about this is it was well before the series began, and it's fascinating to go back over the chat knowing that uh, real-life events are used very much in union with the TV show. And I, now... I know the events in the show are completely true and have been researched to make certain that they're foolproof, etc. But I think it's just interesting to hear the talk with Ben in that light. And it's, it's, it's not something that I necessarily want to harp on, but I just think you guys are super smart. And I figured you'd like a bit of the behind-the-scenes insight into where we were coming from uh, well before we knew how the show would play out. Um a few more notes before we get into it. Uh, normally, I've had time to watch the episode at, le at least twice before I record the podcast. But uh, while I was in Brisbane, and, and this will be the same for the uh, next one that I'm recording in Melbourne, I have a tight window to get this to you in time because of gigs at night. So I only had one viewing uh, for the last episode. So I've had an opportunity to re-watch uh, episode 6, and uh, on the second go through, uh, I'm now not so convinced that my take on Judd Crawford is correct. Uh, I, I still felt like that he was possibly a, a good guy working with bad people for the greater good, but on my second viewing, it, 
I don't know, maybe Crawford felt in some ways a little bit more patronising, a little more insidious in his attitude. I don't know, I'm, I'm discombobulated because I am, <laughs> I'm on the road, so I'm, I'm watching all of this and doing all of this in, in areas that, uh, <laughs> you know, it's not all my stuff around me, it's not like I'm uh, in complete control of my environment, but, uh, you know, he, when he was talking about holding the clan costume in his hidden room and 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 saying you know it's it's his heritage and uh, I don't know that wasn't uh, that wasn't a good sign for me the second time around uh, and I'm sure you know we will have a uh, uh, a moment where we will be able to land on exactly what happened because we still don't really know what happened on the White Knight so I'm I'm really curious to see how this is going to play out there is a uh, I don't know. The main uh, there's just something a little bit uh, reminiscent of Nelson Gardner and his attitude, I guess, uh, and and seeing the parallels and and then the way these attitudes kind of reflect down through history. So, look, uh, I'm I'm curious curious to know what you think. That's that's the main thing. So please let me know over at our Facebook page. Uh, maybe go to the private conversation section so we can talk without worrying about spoilers for people coming to the show a little bit late. Uh, b- by the way, I'm recording this quite late because I'm I'm staying at my friend's place, Limo, in in Melbourne while I'm doing gigs, and uh, I I had a slightly Breaking Bad moment when I got home to record uh, the intro for this and the outro, and there was there was a massive fly in my bedroom that I could not get out. And I, I I really went full Brian Cranston, uh, <laughs> so I'm recording this quite late. So I'm I'm sorry if I'm coming across as sounding uh, quite tired. And also I'm I'm a bit I'm trying to do this a little bit quieter than I normally would because of uh, you know don't want to wake Limo, don't want to wake his wife, and I s- certainly don't want to ma- wake his little boy. So uh, anyway, so the next note is uh, that I wanted to share with you is one that I'm guessing most of you will be across now, but I'll drop it here in case you haven't seen this theory. But if you remember in the last episode, I ran out of time to work out who Fred could be. And uh, uh, Claire Keeshall, who works on the show, had kind of uh, flagged that as something to check out. And I, 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 I couldn't find something in the time that I had. And so I recorded that podca- podcast, I produced it, and then... Uh, later on uh, the next day when I had a bit of time to do a little bit more searching and uh, found some articles, etc. Uh, it, it turns out Fred from episode 6 could be none other, none other than Fred Trump, the father of Donald Trump, the President of the United States, or as the rest of us know him, the guy who reminded us that rich people always win. Boo! Is my official retort to all things Trump. So anyway, it turns out that Fred Trump did business with uh, with his mother under the name E. Trump and Son, and one of his businesses was one of the first supermarkets known as the Trump Market. And on Memorial Day in 1927, a man named Fred Trump was arrested along with six other men during a KKK riot while wearing clan hoods and attire. And the address given for this Fred Trump uh, uh, was at the time of the arrest is the one that was associated with Donald's father. And that is a tasty treat and another red flag to wave in the direction of the right-wingers hating on the show. Ah, 
Stop making me fall more in love with you, you crazy TV series. You, you already have my affection. I'm just loving this more and more and more. Uh, I'm also having to let go of my desire for Justin Theroux to play Dr. Manhattan because it's a, it's a pretty childish reason that I want him to do it, apart from the fact that I do love him as an actor. But uh, as as the more you think about the gaggle of Mr. Phillips's and Ms. Crookshanks possibly being versions of uh, John Osterman and Janie, it would make sense that this is one of the worlds that Dr. Manhattan created to make life. And if we know anything about the Bible, of which I know not a huge amount, being a card-carrying atheist, but I do know that God apparently made us in his image. So maybe Dr. Manhattan made the Phillipses and the Crookshanks in his image. Does that kind of make sense? And if that's the case, if well, it will have to be... Uh, uh, is it Tim Meisen or is it Tom Meisen? Hang on, I'm going to do... I, th- I feel like I've got the name suddenly wrong. Um, but if that's the case, it would have to be that actor who will be playing Dr. Manhattan. Is is that... It's Tom Meisen. Ugh, I told you that I'm recording this late. <laughs> but anyway, um, I, I'm guessing that if Dr. Manhattan's turning up and there is the sense that maybe he does turn up uh, from the initial trailers, it, w- it would have to be Tom Meisen then, right? That would... That would make sense, that it would have to be him. That would make the reenactment of the moment that John became superpowered even more delicious, because it would be a, a grown version of of Osterman. And it also really fits in even more with the insane Vite. So maybe Dr. Manhattan made this world, brought Vite through to oversee it, went off to do whatever it is omnipotent people do. I don't know make a really tasty gelato. I think that would be what I would do. I'd try to make a gelato that was so delicious, but it somehow uh, reminded you of how tasty things were when you were young and discovering them for the first time. But um, yeah, maybe he went off and he's quite clearly forgotten all about Veidt and I don't know, it, it, it's such a such a great <laughs> part of uh, the TV show and I'm really... I'm really loving theorizing about that. But once again, uh, I don't know if that's a possibility, but please tell me what your thoughts are on this. Okay, enough rambling, my dear ramblers. Uh, Don't forget to check out the official Watchmen podcast, which uh, I think it proves yet again that Lindelof is uh, one of the best interviews around, to be honest. And the Pedipedia page has some tasty extras, uh, especially the part about Nelson's will. And when I say will, I mean it with a capital W and a small w. So go and check that out if you haven't had time to check it out or uh, uh, you haven't checked out any of them. There's there's a lot of really interesting stuff in there. Um, and if you're on the socials, and I understand why you might not be, I... Uh, Man, I got really annoyed with someone the other night who told me my take on the Irishman was wrong. I, I saw it in the cinema about a month ago, and I thought it was magnificent, and I've been thinking about it a lot. And I, I was saying, I think it might be my favourite Scorsese movie. And I had, I had someone write to me on Twitter that, um, <laughs> that I, uh, you know, what one of those great ones that starts off with, uh, sorry but you're wrong kind of uh, messages and they were saying that they 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 watched it and they were sick of the um Scorsese tired old shtick and then also admitted that they'd only watched the first half hour so they'd watched 
they'd watched a sixth of the movie. It's a three and a half hour film. And uh, don't get me wrong, I can understand. Yeah, everyone's entitled to have their opinion and I can understand giving up because you're not getting into it. But uh, to say that it's his tired old shtick is completely incorrect. And it is not his tired old shtick. It's, it's a topic he has tackled before. But uh, it was just so wrong and I <laughs> really, really annoyed me. Um, dumb thing to be annoyed about that these things happen. It's, it's um, uh, once again, I was talking to uh, my mate uh, Mitch that owns the All-Star Comics uh, or co-owns All-Star Comics in Melbourne. And he told me he got into a conversation with someone about Watchmen complaining that this series hasn't answered all the questions yet. And it's like, there's three episodes to go. Like, what are you talking about? Like, the the way people can just <laughs> make grandiose statements on uh, not all the information present. But um, anyway, bah, people. I'm quite clearly digressing and I'm quite clearly uh, way too tired. Uh, but if you're getting back to it, if you're on the socials, go and follow the writers and producers who work on this show. Uh, it, it appears to be a real community. They all cheer for one another. And uh, it will be a really good way to see what they will all do next. So uh, go and uh, check out the credits and go and check them out as well. Right. I promise you that I will be much sharper in this interview because I, it was recorded during daylight hours and uh, and was uh, very fresh still not quite certain how the uh, how the show was going to come together uh, so let's get into it time to talk about chapter six of the Watchmen graphic novel uh, which has the title the abyss gazes also I feel like the very first conversation that we ever had was at the, well, like the proper in-depth conversation yeah. was at the comedy store uh, talking about comics. Real, way, way back. Way back. Like before I was in Comedy Zone? The uh, Yeah, yeah. Be like before, you know, when you were... When I was a bar guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I th- well, back then it was very rare to meet someone that actually loved comics. Right. And wasn't embarrassed to love comics <laughs> yes. because we're like the civil rights generation of nerds you know what i mean oh yeah i've often said i'm the rosa parks of uh nerdum no it's true yeah do you remember all yeah. through high school i went to high school in the northern beaches of sydney so what what uh what year is this years ago? well so i started high school in 94 yeah and i was always a big comic kid yes um you know and going to comic kingdom every week standing order you know it, it, probably like a dozen different issues a month that I was into. Yeah. And this was really ghetto back then. Yeah. You know, I mean, this was, th- th- this was a crime against humanity to read comic books. It was yeah. like the lamest thing you could do. And I was getting it from both angles, from the people at school, but also my family just going, "What? you're, a, you're supposed to be becoming an adult oh. and you are reading children's picture books. Right. You know, and so it was very hard to explain to people, no, this is, this is, this has worth... Yeah. This is this has value. Yeah. And then to meet people in adult life like you 
where it was like, not only do you love it, but you are coming at it from a real intellectual level. It's it was like, just it was like manner. It was beautiful. It's uh, it's funny. It wasn't intellectual. I just wear glasses. But the, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but the um, it, yeah, it's 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 an interesting uh, world. I'm uh, a little bit older than you, mm. and I had a, a very similar experience, which people on uh, listening to this podcast would already have heard. But the the fact is that you you just didn't talk about it no. with with anybody because there wasn't anybody to talk to about it like they would look at you as if you were insane but when yeah. you found members of your tribe mm. it was oh my god like you read it as well hang on what are you reading and it, it did depend though I, I have this really abiding memory of like what was OzCon, the comic convention that was in the Centerpoint Tower oh yeah uh, in the early although you're a Melbourne guy but in Sydney there was OzCon and right. it was you know, Jeff Loeb would come out and all kinds of stuff. Right. And me and my friend Dean, who was my other comic friend, although he was a lot more subtle about it, right. uh, we went to this thing and we were flicking through a box one day and there was this guy who was probably maybe 15 years older than us. Yeah. But he was like a Simpsons, you know, parody yes. of a nerd. And you're like, yes. ah, what, what iteration of Batman do you guys like? And I was like, that guy's too much. I don't want to become that guy. I like this tribe, yes. but not that much to yes. the exclusion of all things else you know oh god there was uh but like mum just wouldn't even let me go into stores by myself she was just <laughs> creeped out by the people there <laughs> so much uh but <laughs> comic book shop employees now that now that the industry is a bit more glamorized they're yeah. kind of hot and they've got sleeve tattoos oh, and yeah. lip rings and that kind of stuff but when we were coming up man comic book shop employees were very odd people oh yeah look if you are an old comic book shop employee please do not take offense to this but there was some fucking freaky teeth shit going on uh there was some freaky hygiene there were always real like i'm, I'm not having a go at these people per, uh, like i am having a bit you of are. a go but, uh, you're one of them you can but you know yeah right these are my people but i remember as a kid uh so one of my best friends growing up was a guy called uh kane madden who was a bit older than me yeah. and he was a uh a friend through our mums were really tight. And, yep. But he was, uh, you know, he was super smart and he was into heavy metal. He was into Iron Maiden, Black Sabbath. Yep. And he was... Cred. Uh, and he also... But he was, he was like, nerdy heavy metal, mm. you know. And uh, he was into Doctor Who and yep. he was into comics and that. And we would go over to this guy's shop that he was always about to open about to open uh -huh. and it was full of boxes and shit from arsehole to breakfast and you'd go over <laughs> and he'd talk to you and it, you, you know what he he'd smoke kind of herbal cigarettes like it wasn't pot it right was, it, they were weird herb kind of damiana or something yes. yeah, 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 yeah that he would roll and i never remember his store being open but he was really like from the outside, you'd think, what are those young boys doing going over to that strange yeah. man's house? But we were literally just sitting in there and he was telling us about what was going on in the Teen Titans and how yeah, we should, man. you know, what what was going on in Golden Key comics. Like, he knew about yeah, Golden yeah, Key, yeah, yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah, deep cut. Yeah. And so, that beautiful old comic smell in the air. So, um, I'm curious to know, when did you discover Watchmen? Did you discover it as single issues or as a graphic no, novel? No, as a graphic novel. So, yeah. uh, I I was always a massive Batman kid, predominantly off the back of Batman the Animated Series. Oh, yeah. Uh, which really got me into the mythos and everything. Um, so, I was into a lot of the Bruce Tim Adventures series, mm -hmm. which I thought was very mature. 
Uh, and then one day I went into King's Comics in Sydney and uh, I was mocked raucously by the employees there that the stuff that I was into was very primitive right? and that I needed to step the fuck up and start reading more big boy comics. Right. Uh, and I asked, what, what is that? Sorry, how old were you at this point? I would have been... 27. Reckon, yeah, yeah. <laughs> last week. Uh, <laughs> Watchmen's a movie, right? Uh, um, no, I would have been oh, 14 or 15. Yeah, right. 14, 15. So it's, it's kind of, uh, it, at first that sounded a little bit like bullying, but it was more... Well, it's weird with comic book dudes because never have I, like I said, it's different now because comic culture is the culture. It's the mm. monoculture. But when it was a more fringe thing, it's like... the. the the, the comic book guy from The Simpsons is the most accurately represented stereotype on that show ever. Mm. It's like this thing where it's like you are so haughty and you are so smug and mm. yet you are kind of in the ghetto of pop culture. Yeah. Um, so I think they were... They were obviously trying to get me onto a path, but they were also doing that like, <laughs> you've never heard of the Dark Knight Rises, <laughs> like that kind of thing. So um, I asked them, you know, what is, what is a good comic I should get into? And they said... Dark Knight and Watchmen, of course, right. those two. Uh, and, and I can't. Do you remember which order you read them in? I'm pretty sure I read Dark Knight first. Of course, yeah. yeah. Uh, and that fucking blew my mind. I didn't get it. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was cool. I didn't realize it was a parody and a satire yeah. of you know machismo and all that stuff. Uh, and I think it was a similar thing with Watchmen. I knew as I was reading it, this is leveled up. And this is doing something to my brain. Yeah. And it's changing the way I see the comics world yeah. and superheroes and everything. But I didn't have the language for it. And it was probably only, you know, multiple, multiple rereads later that I kind right. of really locked in and was like, holy shit, this is, you know, and I made that early teen mistake where, you know, you, you think Rorschach is cool. Yes. Um, and you're not realizing, no, no, this guy's not cool at all. Oh, no. Um, yeah. He's so, awful. He's, he's so he's messed terrible. up. But he's also. He's he's layered and you, mm. and you understand him, yeah. Uh, but it doesn't stop him from being awful. Yeah. We're, we're, even even that sentence right there shows the difference between what you were reading and and perceiving comics as. Absolutely. To, to that moment. Yeah. By the way, just as a little aside, I I don't know who I saw write this, um, but I saw it online. A comic book writer or someone uh, wrote that they thought. Frank Miller's Batman Year One and mm. The Dark Knight Returns are not the same universe. Dark Knight Returns is the end of the old pre-crisis Batman. Right. And year One is the start of the post-crisis. Yeah, and, right. Okay. And, and you know what? That kind of makes sense. It makes sense. I do like the idea of it, though, that they are the bookends. Mm. You know, it, 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 I always I always like the idea that they're the same guy and, like, mm. look how he is, you know, fresh-faced he is when he starts and by yep. the end, you know, this broken down old... Well, there's, there's literally a panel where he looks like Gregory Peck. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So, uh, going into Watchmen, it was... I guess uh, would have been kind of confronting because it's mm. up until that point you were reading comics where people looked exactly how they were meant to look. 100%. And I know that sounds basic, but good-looking people were good-looking yep. and ugly people were really ugly. And if you were overweight, you were fat. Yep. And if you were really skinny, you were rake thin. Yep, yep. But in this, this is... A comic where it's really 
really strange to look at, but like, you know, Dan Dryberg has paunch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but they, he's also strangely attractive. You know, you yeah. can see how he was a very handsome man the, before all that kind of set in. Yeah, the uh, actor that they got for the uh, movie, yeah. uh, Patrick Wilson, yeah. I actually thought was great casting. Yeah, right. Because I think Patrick Wilson is, you know, he's, he's a good looking guy. He's a great actor and he, he looks normal. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It's a shame they kind of put him in a costume that, you know. Are we going to talk about the movie? Uh, I don't know. It's look, uh, I for for anyone who heard my old podcast or have heard me as a guest, I I, I find it really difficult to criticize Zack Snyder because I hosted that Q and A with him for the for the really? movie, really, and he was so nice and he yeah, was so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, friendly, and he took me in, and he showed me stuff before it had been released on yeah, the big wow. screen. Yeah. And then, like two weeks later, he signed a copy of uh, Watchmen and sent it down as a thank you for oh, doing a wow. good job. Yeah, yeah, right. So, uh, you know, uh, so anyway, Zack Snyder's all right by me. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Batman versus Superman to one side. Look, it's fine. You know, <laughs> it's got some good qualities. <laughs> but just, just to, to, for one second to go back to that thing yeah. you were saying about the the, the the fact that it was confronting, uh, because you know, in the comics, I was used to the people looked like what they were. That is right. especially true in the world of Batman. Yes, where you know the they, I mean the, the the they're literally called the freaks. Yeah, you know, I came up with the Jeff Loeb stuff where it's like you know the the it was the death of the mafia and the rise of the freaks. Mm. You know, to correspond with Batman coming in. So it was a very clear delineation. Yeah. And I think I'm fairly certain Watchmen was one of the first things I ever read that had that ambiguity of, you know, you can identify with a character like Rorschach while at the same time being horrified that you identify with him because, you know, he's doing some pretty messed up shit. Yeah, for sure. Mm. Uh it's uh you know yeah, with Batman it's uh Two-Face is literally super handsome and super ugly. <laughs> yeah, it's isn't great. It? <laughs> My favourite Batman villain. Love yeah. it. I love that fucking, I love that character. <laughs> uh, well, let's get into the summary for issue six. I was talking about this with um, Richard Fadler, uh, which is you can tell someone who read it as single issues and as a graphic novel, because if you read it as a graphic novel, it was chapters, but... For me, it's still issues. great as issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, this is the issue six summary. The abyss gazes also. Rorschach is now locked up in prison and identified as Walter Kovacs, a character we have seen throughout the story as the man holding the sign that reads, The End is Nigh. Dr. Malcolm Long, a psychiatrist, is brought in to work with Walter and begins by showing him ink blots. Long asks Walter what he sees, and while Walter sees... Uh, a dog with its head split in half. Walter tells the doctor he sees a pretty butterfly. Dr. Long thinks that Walter's condition is improving. <laughs> Walter is threatened and mocked by the other prisoners, men he possibly helped put away, and flashbacks to his youth when he was attacked by two bullies because his mother was a prostitute. He also remembers seeing his mother having sex with a customer and is beaten for ruining her job. She tells him she wishes she'd never had a son. Walter eventually tells his doctor that when he realised how terrible the world was, he created the mask he wears so he could have a face that he could bear to look at in mm. the mirror. He also accuses his doctor of being just like everyone else, someone who wants fame and to be known while profiteering off 
others. We should see him at the Comedy Festival next year. <laughs> uh, later in a prison food line, a prisoner attempts to shiv Walter, but he attacks his attacker with hot oil from a frying pan and declares he isn't locked in prison with them, they're locked in prison with Walter. When he next speaks to his doctor, he confesses that out of all the other superheroes, only the comedian really understood how the world worked. Further into the session, Walter admits that the ink blot looks like a dog with the head split in half. He tells the Doctor a story back in 1975 where he traced a, a child kidnapper back to his hideout. When he discovered the brutal murder of the child, Kovacs murdered the kidnapper and at that moment ceased to be Walter Kovacs and fully became Rorschach. The chapter ends with a Frederick Wilhelm Nietzsche quote. Is it Wilhelm or Wilhelm? I think it's Wilhelm. Wilhelm. Yeah. Frederick Wilhelm Nietzsche quote, <laughs> Battle not with monsters, lest ye become a monster. And if you gaze into the abyss, the, the abyss, abyss gazes, gazes also back. into you. So, from Rorschach to the latest Joker movie, we're drawn to stories about people with mental illness lashing out at society. What do you reckon makes this trope so attractive for audiences? Mm, I do think that there's an element of wish fulfillment in it mm. you know i think when we're at our most especially these days you know as everything's getting ratcheted up more and more and you know even the calmest people f- are starting to feel quite harrowed and mm. bordering on insane i think there is a catharsis in seeing someone go you know what fuck this shit uh and snapping uh and it's funny, I used to, when I was younger, have no problem with that. But as I get older, I'm starting to kind of wonder if maybe this is not a great kind of um, paradigm to be giving to people. Mm. Uh, and, and I can see how there is a potential negative consequence to this. Right. You know, I, I've never believed in writing for the dumbest person in the room. Yes. But there's a lot of fucking dumb people right now. Right. Uh, and I'm is not... It, is, it, is it dumb people or is it that people are so distracted they don't watch something and, and fully delve into it? Yeah. And I, and I say that as someone who... I spent a, like a good solid four days trying to work out how I felt about the Quentin Tarantino movie, mm-hmm. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yep. I enjoyed it while I was watching it and I got to the end and I didn't really know how I felt and uh, about uh, certain aspects of it. Yeah. And I really did some thinking. I avoided doing any uh, reading of articles. And then once I hit upon the moment that Margot Robbie as the character watches Sharon Tate, the real Sharon Tate, mm. in a movie mm. within the film, mm. it was the first time that I stopped thinking of Sharon Tate as the... Uh, Charles Manson uh, victim and yeah. I saw her as a proper human being in her own right and yep. then suddenly the movie made sense to me. Yep. Now, I could do that because I'm single. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And so I can spend four days wandering about in my little mind palace, having thoughts, thinking my way through that. So I wonder if, you know, say you go to see a movie yeah. like Joker yeah. and you get that visceral release from it yeah and then like you, you know life moves on and yeah. so i wonder you know I, I i think there are people out there who don't have the language of movies as something that they're very comfortable with so mm. they can't work their way through that yeah. kind of stuff but at the same time you know hey i really enjoyed that oh what's that that's a bird oh i've got to get ice cream yeah. for the kids yeah, oh yeah, hang yeah. on tweet, tweet tweet yeah blah 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 and then yep. all you do is think that you just really enjoyed it and i uh, 
I think that's more. I think that's more the way things are. Not to. I mean, we, we're probably in danger of sounding like very old farts, but it does. Yeah. Uh, it does feel that you know, with so many more distractions these days, there mm. is very little room mm. to sit and marinate with something and go. Like uh, you know, when I got to work the day after I saw Joker, mm. my much younger colleagues were like, you know, they were desperate to talk about it with me, and they're like, "What do you think?" Mm. I was like, "I don't know yeah. what I think yet." And they couldn't fathom that. It was either you either really enjoyed it or you didn't enjoy it. No. And I was like, well, I, I feel conflicted about it. Yeah. Uh, and I don't, I, yeah, I, I, that seems to be a dying thing these days to to sit with the ambiguity of something. Yeah. And I think that's where the, war, the concern comes in about people, not even misinterpreting it, but just taking it at face value. Right. And not seeing it as an indictment, as I did when I was 15. Yeah. When and I first read uh, Watchmen. Yeah. And, you know, Rorschach, you know... He's got cool lines. Like, Fuck yeah. you know, are you, I'm not trapped in here with you. You're trapped in here with me. Yeah. It's fucking cool. Yeah. Especially even when it's coming from a weedy, redheaded guy. Absolutely. You know, and do you remember, like, what was your reaction when the mask was revealed? Because I had no idea. When the was, mask was torn off him and yeah, it was revealed at, as him. at the end of issue five. Like, I had no idea that that's who... Rorschach was. I remember. I remember being stunned by it, but yeah. I, 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 the, 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 actually, there's a part in this chapter that I, I, I remember viscerally my reaction to it. Yeah. Uh, it was the chapter where he's investigating the murder of the young girl. Yes. Uh, and this was, you know, wh- whenever I read this for the first time in 1996 or something, when you actually sat there staring at the panels and oh, not yeah. just racing through. Yeah. And it's, uh, I'm, uh, it's this panel where it's showing him inspecting the cut marks on the chopping board. Yes. And then it slowly pushes in on the dogs chewing on the bone. Yes. And then Gibbon's art is so incredible the way he's, you know, it looks like Rorschach's eyes are bugging out of his head just from the pattern on his face. Yeah. Incredibly expressive and brilliant art. I, I remember that hitting me like a ton of bricks because that revelation of what was going on unfolded for me as it did for him. Right. And it was like, it was, it was, you know, and again, it was, uh, there's like a dozen examples through this book of just seminal moments of just tearing you out of your kind of, uh, the way you predictably would read comics. Yes. It It keeps you locked in. It keeps you locked into a very specific rhythm and, uh, you know, the, the, the Rorschach mask is a stroke of genius yeah. for a, a mask that is there to, you know, not give him a face mm. and then ends up being the most expressive thing in the, uh, in the comic. You know, we, we love the idea that the mask is the real face of the superhero and it's one that's often explored with Batman. Mm. Is it, do you reckon this is a fair assumption or is this an easy way to explain a character without having to dig deep into the underlying traits? Do you know what I mean? It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. always think it's too easy with Batman. And, uh, and what, I think you, think I th- it's, you think it's too easy that Batman, is, the real person is Batman and the mask is Bruce Wayne? Yeah, I think it's, I, I think it's too, too binary. I think, it's, I think it's a lot more complicated than that. And I think, this, I think Rorschach kind yeah. of points that out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, see, I, see, I've got a bias. Like, I've always, I've always preferred the version of Batman where Batman is... Batman and Bruce Wayne is the mask. I th- right. And again, it's because of the Batman animated series. Oh yeah, that was my Batman. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't know if it reduces the complexity. Uh, I think it. For me, I always liked the idea of the vigilante almost having to be, you know, slightly detached and autistic in the way they study the way people interact, mm. and having to adopt this kind of. Uh, face that they wear outside mm. but the but the real them is this kind of you know 
uh, clenched fist of yeah. you know rage and revenge and all these things. But yeah, it is it is a much more simplified version. But it's it's funny for me because I did come up. I'm one of the classic people that read this, if you want to say the wrong way, the wrong way. Right. In thinking that you know this is cool. Yeah. Uh, and so yeah, it's um, I don't know. Do you think that you think that Bruce Wayne is the real guy? Well, I. I, I think there's so many versions of Bruce, and that's uh, that's what I enjoy. Ooh. You know, there's because when when he's when he's Batman, he's you know he's the the, the superhero. Yeah. And when he's Playboy Bruce, that's another performance. But then, like then he's there's times when he's just hanging out with Alfred. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, 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 I, yeah. and he's he's neither of those. And I, I, I don't know. I just I, I always prefer a story that kind of explores a little bit more. Yeah, 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 yeah. What's going on with those characters? And like even with this, you know, like Rorschach, we 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 revealed his horrible upbringing. Mm. Like it's an awful upbringing. Yeah. And he's he's picked on and he's beaten up by kids. And he then you know in this world where people became superheroes and he he goes and does this. Yeah. There's the like. He's he's still a version of Rorschach that isn't fully developed for a long time, and it's not yeah. until this moment where he discovers the ultimate evil in yeah. the way people could treat uh, a child and what they've done mm. that then he snaps and then he becomes this new version as well. So I think you get all these different facets, and then even even him with the with the Doctor yeah. is like it's not it's it's. He's the guy who walked around with the sign saying the end is nigh, and it's a little bit funny because yeah. you remember in that panel, like there's a in one of uh, one of the earlier chapters, he goes and buys uh, the the new frontiersman from the news vendor, yeah, and he's holding up the sign, you know, the end is nigh, and the, he says, oh, I see the world didn't end today," and he said, "Didn't it?" You know, <laughs> so he's so, and that's what I, and but he's see, also got manners as well, like he, that, and that's the thing. Know? I think that he is. I think the representation of him with his mask off when he's talking to the psychiatrist, he's actually, to the psychiatrist and to the reader, a lot more deceptive than he would lead you to believe. Mm. Because he's withholding information. Mm. He's he's playing a game. Yeah. You know, because I was going to ask you, what do you think your motiva- his motivation is in not just spilling his guts in that first session of just sitting there and saying, I see a pretty butterfly. I see a flower. Yeah, like he's clearly playing, you know, a, 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 you know, some kind of three-dimensional chess. He's withholding. Yeah, well, I reckon he's getting a read on the doctor. Yeah, and but, that, but, that but that would indicate Rorschach is not just Rorschach. There yeah. is multiple layers to him. So when he says there is no Walter Kovacs, right. there is only Rorschach. Well, that's quite clearly not is, true. Yeah, and is that a conscious lie, or does yeah. he not realize there is a real him? Yeah, that's a good question. I uh, I wonder if the character is uh, so hell bent on his mission that he's probably not giving himself credit. Mm. Uh, you know, and to to even possibly entertain that there might be uh, you know a greater aspect to him might be perceived as a weakness and suggest he could go in the wrong direction. Well, so. I mean, but he don't. He, he mentions that he had friends. Mm. You know, there's there's a really. I mean, it's it's quite a um, quite a distinctive panel after he says. Uh, I see a pretty butterfly. It's mm. a, a a really big close up of his face, mm. w- serenely smiling. Yeah, and it's obviously an act. Yeah, but 
you know, it's like if you're this unhinged fucking woo, I'm burning people to death and I'm out of my mind. Yeah. It's that's a level of control that belies how he has represented himself pr- previous and after. Yeah. And then, you know, spoilers for later issues, he tells Night Owl, uh, you know, we are friends. Yeah. So there is a complexity to him that yeah, I haven't I haven't figured out whether he realizes that it's there. Or whether he has aligned himself so dramatically with this yeah. persona that you know, I don't know. It's uh, it, 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 that, that's why he's uh, such a compelling character as well, and I think you keep coming back to him. But uh, you know, I, I think uh, you know, I touched on this uh, a couple of episodes ago. But like most art forms, where there is a dominant figure or piece of work, invariably the people who are influenced are often influenced by the wrong parts. Yep. And uh, Prime example I am of that. Right. And yep. in Rorschach, in, in many ways, that, that very specific character in this seminal piece of work yep. really led us to decades of decades. shit yep. comics. Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? But, but, I, but I, I was... Fo- I don't even remember Batman being this grim before Rorschach. You know, like no. he's, he's, he's funny in The Dark Knight. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Turn. Oh, it's hilarious. Yeah, you know? yeah. But the logical conclusion of that path is: Did you ever read All Star Batman and Robin? The, oh, the, 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 yes. the reviled Frank Miller yeah. um, interpretation, where he's basically Marv from Sin City. Yeah. Um, I always kind of liked that version because in my mind because like and that was kind of the end of a certain way of thinking for me that comic because Watchmen and Dark Knight came to me when I was you know 14 15 years old and it was like I think it was a thing that happened to a lot of comics fans where it was like now now we're serious now this isn't for kids anymore and it's in the real world now and you know forgot no this isn't the real world this is absurd (laughs) none of this could ever happen yeah just because it's got some like oh he's mentally ill and he can't get a hard on it's not real yes but you know i carried that on for a long time where it was like batman has to be real and then when it finally got to all-star batman and superman where he's punching Robin in the face two minutes after his parents have been killed because you're a soldier now. And I loved it because I was like, well, if this guy was real, yeah, this is what he is. He's completely out of his fucking mind. Yes. There's no world where a guy takes a seven-year-old on as his apprentice and is like this fun-loving... You know, and forces him to wear bright colours, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, so he yeah, gets better yeah. at evading people. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. Jesus Christ. And doesn't he dump him in the Batcave alone uh, for a week to eat rats and all this I stuff? Like, it's know. so heinous. It's, it's, but it was it was simultaneously like, I love this and 
that's a full stop on yes. this interpretation of these of these worlds for me now. And now I'm in very much in the Morrisonian uh, bent of like, nah, man, they should be grand yeah. stories. They should, you know, be myths. Yeah, they should be out there, you know, uh, ideals for us yeah. to, to look up to. Yeah. The, uh, yeah, Rorschach <laughs> in particular was, you know, like... Suddenly it was the rise of, um, you know, the Punisher and, mm. and all of that, you know, grim, dark stuff. And it's, uh, I wonder if, I, I'd be curious to know, uh, you know, from our listeners who have read comics for a long time and maybe have been across the character of Rorschach for a while, not mm. recently, but for a while and lived with the character. I wonder how they feel about Joker as well. And I wonder if you know, applying mental illness to the character in the Todd Phillips movie mm. seems to have impressed a lot of people, but it kind of left me cold as well because I didn't yeah. really I didn't really care about what the movie had to say because I wasn't sure it had anything new or really interesting to say. I don't think the movie had... I don't know that the movie knew what it was trying to say. Yeah. It was a very muddled... I, I, I didn't... I walked away from that very... Uh, very confused, and also that last ten minutes really, uns- really oh, yeah. unsettled me. I've uh, I've found it interesting, and uh, you know, I wouldn't know the exact percentage, but I would easily say in the people that I've spoken to, it has been of the people who loved it, it has been probably eighty five, eighty seven percent straight men. Yeah, and yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, Do you know what my main criticism of that film is? Just to get off topic yeah, for a little no, second. Yeah, no, go for it. Uh, Mate, it's a podcast. It's I, all about the tangents. <laughs> I believe that the argument... Okay, put it this way. When you get to the end of Taxi Driver, mm-hmm. or when you get to the end of King of Comedy, you might have an affinity or even an affection for Travis Bickle or Rupert Punkin, but you don't walk out of that movie going, right on, man, they did the right thing. Right. I don't know that you can say that about Joker. Right. And, I, and I've and i heard a lot of people say, you know, no, no, the movie clearly uh, sets it up so that you detest him. No, it doesn't. If you really, if I, if the audience was truly to detest him, you know what they would have shown? Him murdering that woman and her child. Right. The one murder, and it's heavily implied, I mean, maybe he didn't, but it's heavily implied that he murdered her yes. and the child. And that's the one murder that happens completely off camera. And, you know, I think the cut, when he stands up to kill her, it suddenly jump cuts to him striding down the hallway to some inspirational piece of music. As yeah. though, well, now he's killed that bitch that wouldn't fuck him. You know, it's like, what what is going on? What are we? Yeah. What is this movie trying to say? Yeah, it's. Uh, yeah, I found that problematic. I also found it really problematic uh, with because that is a heroics cut. Yeah, that, man. That, that edit is very much a yeah. you know dude on a mission kind of thing. I also had uh, look, maybe I'm. You know, people might think I'm getting a bit soft or whatever, but I don't don't use Gary Glitter's music. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah. Famed pedophile Gary Glitter. He's getting royalties from that. Yeah. Anyway, but th- that cut—I mean, the cut where he's on the car and he's, yeah. you know, the hundreds of people are cheering him, and then that wacky ending with the the calligraphy V end, and it's like, what? What is the tone of this? Well, it's also, you know, I've—I uh, guess there is an implication that none of it really happened. But yeah. then, but then I get to the end and I think, well, then why did I, yeah, watch, why did I this? watch this? And uh, I recently rewatched Fight Club for the first time in a long time. Hold up. And uh, yeah, I reckon I still found it uh, to be absolutely compelling. Yeah. And I found it, 
and I, I think it's because it has a real sense of humour about itself. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. the satire is was so ahead of the curve. Yep. Because it's really talking about a lot of people that we didn't know existed until fucking Mad Max Beyond. Uh, uh, Fury, Fury Road, Road yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah. Remember when all those si- uh, uh, sites course. started coming out? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, you've anti-Furiosa. Yeah, and also uh, Battlestar Galactica, the series. Yeah, you castrated right. Starbuck, and you went, oh, "Who are these guys?" Oh, turns out there's stacks of them. <laughs> that's right, and I think that's you know, and to go back to the Raw Shark thing, it's like you know, Raw Shark was originally a, a, a parody of uh, the Question, mm, the yeah. Tartan character, we'll, the we'll Question. Get, we'll get oh, into we're gonna that. Get to that. We'll, yeah, we'll great. do a little bit of a. Uh, Deep dive on that. It's interesting. To, it's interesting though that the parody of the objectivism is lost, mm. and so people just carry, you know, carry on with agreeing with the objectivism. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. What a what a fascinating character, and what a what an interesting character to be influenced by, and then try to apply it to, you know, I characters nev- who should never have had that applied to them. Yeah. Well, I, I think I said this to you the other week. It's like when South Park came out and kids started imitating Eric Cartman. No, mm. like, no, 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 no. He's the bad guy. Yeah. He's not the guy you emulate. Yeah. And I never understood. Like, the Joker has never been an interesting character for me. No. It's, uh, you know, it's a couple of interpretations here or there are very he, interesting. Yeah, he's he's he's... Interesting in relationship to whatever era of Batman that he's going 100%, up against. 100%. And, and, you know, it's like, oh, if this version of Batman is representing what the world is at the moment, what's the flip side with yeah. the Joker? Yeah. And then to have him divorce from that. By the way, this is such a l- dumb little nitpick. <laughs> and I, I I remember telling you this before, because we saw the You're movie. You're talking about the Dark Knight actor that's in. Oh, yeah. I, th- you know The Dark Knight Rises a lot better than me. I had to look it up on IMDb oh, after I, it. <laughs> I, I do know that. I do know that movie very well. But I just found that so distracting that they used the, the senator from The Dark Knight Rises as Bruce's dad. And I'm like going, like, there's, there's heaps of male actors. It's a very ju- specifically Justin Hamilton uh, complaint. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess it is. But it's just. But I just was like, what? What, what is happening here? Who couldn't like with all the other like middle-aged male uh, actors on strike? Anyway. <laughs> uh, the, the world of Watchmen is is full of dread. You know, there's mm. the Hiroshima lovers silhouette that's spray painted everywhere. Yep. Uh, there's the lollies that are called meltdowns. Mm. Uh, there are the posters for the bands Pale Horse and Crystal Knucked. But we also see posters for products like uh, Veet's Perfume, Nostalgia. Mm. And uh, what do you think these images have to say about the world and do they reflect our world? I, th- I think they do, absolutely, more so than ever now. Yeah. In fact, I think a lot of this, you know, even this very podcast that we are recording is mm. a form of nostalgia. Yeah. Uh, y- you know, I think we're very much in this realm at the moment where, uh, I mean, look, everything cycles around and mm. everything is recycled, and especially now when properties are worth billions and billions of dollars. Mm. You know, nothing is ever going to go away. Mm. You know, at the end of Endgame, a kid asked me, is Spider-Man dead? <laughs> I was like, no, Spider-Man's worth billions of dollars. Spider-Man oh, yeah. is very much alive. Um Good on the kid for like I, I yeah, tried yeah, to yeah. I tried to enjoy it through uh, my friend's uh, daughter who was uh, twelve I think when Infinity War came out was absolutely devastated over Great. Bucky and Great. just sitting there and you know talking to her about it and how she was lamenting it and uh, <laughs> there was the compassionate side of me that wanted to just sort of say. In a year's time, you'll be wrapped. <laughs> but I don't want to ruin the movie. No, because, it, because it's for them. Because it's for them. It's for them. Yeah. So well, let's be serious. And then when, <laughs> when I knew they'd seen it, I had a little chat. 
It was like, are you right? And she was. I think I think that I uh, look I think nostalgia has always been a big thing. Mm. I, I remember I can't remember what Greek philosopher it was, but some Greek philosopher was complaining about, you know, old people being obsessed with the culture of their youth, you know, five thousand years ago. Mm. Um I think at the moment it's very prevalent because things are very confusing yep. and very uh discombobulating and uncertain. Mm. Uh you know, Donald Trump's the only president in my lifetime where you can check what he's doing at 11 a.m. and you could feasibly come back at 1 p.m. and he started World War Three. Like, it's, yeah. it's very unsettling times. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of the um, the regurgitation of, our, especially our youths, mm. that's happening now is like a, a, a desperate desire to return to him good, him bad, good guy, punch bad guy. That makes sense to me. Yeah. Um, and... You know, I don't know if that's what it was like when Watchmen first came out and if he was just parodying the culture of his time or if he was prescient like he was in V for Vendetta when he predicted uh, security cameras on every street corner. Right, right. You know, uh, I think, uh, you know, there's that theory that the the world rotates probably mainly in Western society every 11 years. Punk and hippies? Uh, yeah. Yeah, and it was, you know, the mid-80s when this came out. This was you know, this was new romantics, which was very, you know, everyone was in bright, colourful, space-agey yeah. colours. You know, they were in beautiful costumes. Yeah. They were, uh, you know, music sounded like it was from the future. <laughs> Do you know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? Yeah, 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 of course. And, uh, and I guess that <laughs> so there was... Sweet. Uh, you know, and I think that was probably... That was their era of glam, yeah. just as... One of the reasons I'll never shit on emo music was because I thought that was the next iteration of glam rock. Yeah, right. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially if you t- put that into relationship with September 11 and mm. all of these kids coming through and seeing that and the psychic backlash from yep. that, yep. you suddenly end up with emo music. And I think it was very easy yeah. to dismiss, especially because it had a shit name, you know, emo. Yeah. But it was, it was punky and it was it was it was but it was more it was more the glam rock era, yeah and, know, I, and dressing I, up in costumes and and uh and beautiful colors and yeah stuff. definitely and i think for people like us who weren't necessarily who that music wasn't necessarily for yeah probably heard you know the worst parts of the, the you don't know what it's like that yeah. whiny shit where it's so easy to dismiss whereas yeah. you know if you were part of the culture you probably knew the stuff that uh, what, what's that G- gerard way band Oh, uh, My Chemical loves. Romance. My Chemical yeah. Romance. I've never heard their stuff, but I hear that they're you know, very good. It's fun. Yeah. You know, and yeah. uh, it's, but you know, I'm sure there were people our age listening to Bowie or Ziggy Stardust sing about changes and you better get ready because the kids are going to change the world going, ah, oh, whatever. You don't yeah. even have nipples, you know. <laughs> so, but it, 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 that, that world building in, in Watchmen yeah. is fascinating. And, uh, you know, one of the uh, artists that I keep, uh, reinforcing on mm. this uh, on this podcast is of course Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons deserve all the credit that they get but I think John Higgins the colour palette unbelievable unbelievable, unbelievable. And, it, and it adds to the yeah. like all the purples su- and oranges oh, yeah. it's such a drab world yeah, in yeah, many yeah. ways isn't yeah, yeah, it yeah. and I think that adds to that feeling of doom etc I think in terms of like the kind of like uh, apocalyptic 
culture mingling with nostalgia. I think Moore has always been very prescient and very mm. keyed in. So even if that wasn't necessarily happening in the wider culture when he wrote it, mm. you know, he probably saw it coming around the mountain or something. And, you know, and, and, and as I said, it's always been thus. Mm. You know, people, you know, the day was only the day because you were young and, you know... Yeah, got a heart on every five minutes, but you know, like, <laughs> they were the days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I like I I, I don't know. I, I, do you indulge in nostalgia very much? You know, I I don't really know. Like, I, I like what I I know that seems like I'm dodging the question, but I guess so. I still love what I love, but I like I like new ideas mm. and I I like new things yeah. as well and. I've had missteps trying to listen to certain music or whatever where you go, oh, maybe I'll be into this. Like, mm. uh, uh, you know. What, you mean going back? No, 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 listening to new stuff. Yeah. So before I go back to other things. Yeah. But listening to new stuff, like, you know, after I saw Dunkirk, I don't know if I ever told you this, I, Harry Styles released an album and I thought he was so good in Dunkirk. <laughs> and I didn't mind the single. I thought it had a bit of a glammy feel, like a glam torch song yep. so i bought the album and i listened i listened to it all the way through three times yeah. and it was not for me yeah. but <laughs> i gave fine. it a crack that's fine and i gave it a you. crack yeah i knew that you're not ossifying to some you know curmudgeon ah, yeah but only good when i was young but there are weird so i guess uh musically i have i've, I've been doing lots of deep dives recently but it has been is this nostalgia or like if you'll so as an example, I was curious to hear every album that each member of the Beatles released oh, yeah, after me. the Beatles yeah. broke up. Is that nostalgia? No, no, that's that's doing no, no, a deep I think dive. Nostalgia is my sudden middle-aged man love of yacht rock. What's yacht rock? Do you not know yacht rock? No, mate, it is. <laughs> it's the perfect music to be listening to on a boat while smoking a menthol cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> and it's uh, it's like the Doobie Brothers and Toto, and it's, oh, it's become yeah, a right. whole genre unto itself. Yeah, Any right. song with Michael McDonald is oh yacht rock. rock. Okay, yeah. okay, yeah, right, yeah. right, right. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> I'm so confused by how few people know what it is, but I listen. Africa's to a great fucking track, man. Yeah, it's a really good thing fantastic. to have on in the background. Yeah, it's it's. I think nostalgia is the desire to recapture a feeling that can no longer, you know, and 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 invariably it's very much like Twin Peaks season three, where it's like you return, but it's different because oh, yeah. you're different it isn't uh nostalgia the, from the greek for the uh the I, i'm butchering this but it's the memory of an old injury yeah right or an old pain yeah, or something yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah, that yeah. uh i should remember that because there is a great scene in mad men when don draper riffs on nostalgia yeah and it is it's it's Classic Don. He really yeah, knows right. it. But yeah. um, anyway, the uh, I, I don't really have an urge to go back. Yeah, neither do I. It's I want to keep going forward. Yeah. I don't really necessarily want to get older. No, but, but more I, new. I, I, I want new thoughts. I want new ideas. I get excited when I see something. Like, if I watch or read or listen to something mm. that doesn't quite work, but it has ambition, mm. like... Yeah, I would not consider that a waste of time. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. You took a big swing. Yeah, and I like. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. I, I, I love to go back 
see, it's interesting. I don't like to go back to recreate the moment. And I think that's just because I got one of those brains that can't shut the fuck up. Yeah. And I'm so aware of what I'm trying to do. Right. Uh, and, you know, it's like the idea of like, oh, I'm going to watch The Goonies to feel like I did when I was eight. It's like, ugh, no. Mm. I do love to return to stuff that I didn't necessarily understand right. fully. For example, Watchmen. Yeah. If the only time I'd ever read Watchmen was when I was 15, well, I wouldn't have understood Watchmen on any level. Right. I had to keep returning to it. Um, and then rereading this chapter last night, the first time in 10 years, it was like, fuck, I'm getting new layers out of this. Yeah. So to return to get new stuff is a, a, a wonderful thing. But to return just to try and have the same experience over and over and over again, it, I, I've, I've, I've never quite understood this. I can find it quite intimidating catching up with dear, dear old friends who want to talk about all the old stuff. I, I don't mind talking oh, about some man. of the old stuff. Like, I'm, I'm not an arsehole. But you know, w- when you realise that's all you're talking about, it can be pretty disheartening. I've got my high school reunion coming up in a month. Right. And I don't think I can go. Because oh. like, it's going to be fucking... You know, <laughs> how weird was Mr. Potter? <laughs> like, ah, uh, Yeah, he was weird. <laughs> what you else? You never know. It, it could, be, could be interesting. It could be. My shrink told me not to go. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know what? Listen to your shrink. They're a professional. Um, so there's there's a, a really interesting question which I've saved for you, Benjamin. Please. That is uh, that I've been dying to rip into you, uh, uh, rip into with you. Mm-hmm. And uh, in this chapter, the catalyst for uh, Walter becoming Rorschach is the the murder of uh, Kitty Genovese. Mm-hmm. Uh, a real person who was murdered in March 1964, and the New York Times initially reported she was stabbed to death in the courtyard of her apartment complex while 38 of her neighbours watched from the windows. And psychologists used this story for decades to illustrate the increasing apathy of society at large. Mm. But the real story is quite different, as neighbours did try to intervene. Only a handful of people were aware what was happening. One man yelled at the attacker, two more called the police, and Genovese died in the arms of a woman from the apartment. So, with this in mind, Mm. is there any responsibility Mm. when using a real person in a work of fiction to honour the truth? Or is it fine to lean into this misreported story? Mm. I, by the way, no pressure to solve this. I just <laughs> wanted to throw that question out there. Yeah. And I think, you know, while, while you're having a think about it, mm. this question is uh, prominent with me because when I got to the end of the Tarantino movie, yeah. have you seen it? Uh, once upon a time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and uh, for anyone who hasn't seen it, who's still thinking of seeing it, um, you know what? You had heaps of time. Yes. But just turn off now and come back in about five minutes. Use the minutes. skip 15 seconds yeah, button. Yeah, yeah. So here it comes. But when you get to the end mm. and she's still alive, yeah. I didn't know how I felt about no, it. No, neither. Like, I just felt so mm. confused and I felt like it... Yeah. At my first reaction was I, it did not do the right thing by her. Mm. But when I realise the moment where Margot Robbie is watching Sharon Tate yeah. as Sharon Tate yeah. in the cinema and the fun and the enjoyment and the little that Tarantino uses her, like it's not... I suddenly went, oh, the, he, he's not being dismissive. What he's doing is he's showing us her at the start of her career and he's keeping her at a distance so... We get the complexity yeah. with the dumbasses in Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio who have been around for a while. But this is the 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 sign of the new wave yeah, new coming generation. through and yeah. the new generation. And as I said, 
after four days of being in my mind palace, uh, <laughs> I realised that I was now thinking of her as a person and not a victim. And that and that's when yeah, the movie right. that's yes, when the yes, movie yes. became like one of my top two, three Tarantino really? movies of yeah, all right. time. But it took me a while to get there. But with this, the story was misreported. Yeah. I'm not saying it's correct or incorrect, but now it's a work of fiction. The incorrect story is a work of fiction as a catalyst. Like, Do we I, know if Moore knew when he was writing this? Good question. That, you know, because he wrote this in, what, the early 80s. That, so maybe that might not have been widely disseminated by then. That is true. Yeah, there was uh, retractions, uh, I think, when the murderer died in prison, I think. Mm, so mm, so maybe in his defence. Yeah. But, it, like, I always just wonder, you know, imagine if you were a family member and you picked up Watchmen. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying you shouldn't. I, I, it just gave me... It, yeah, Especially yeah. rereading it as a grown-up. Yeah. Like, at the time, I was like, oh, my God, that's a full-on story. And then I discovered it was a real story. <laughs> and, you know, the comic, in the comic's defence, melds the real world and the yeah, fake Nixon's world. Nixon's in it. You know, there's the oh, Vietnam War. Yeah, you know, like Joe Orlando, the yeah. artist, yeah, yeah, is yeah. in it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so... I think, person, I don't know, it's, it's, it's one of those things, you know? It's like, you know... You know when it's working and when you know when it's not. And it's yeah. very difficult. You know, like, as you know, uh, my grandparents were Holocaust survivors. Yeah. Uh, my grandpa was one of... Him and his brother were the only two that survived. The others went into the gas chambers. Just nightmarish. When Hitler's face was getting machine gunned at the end of Inglorious Bastards in 2008 or whenever that it was, I had to physically restrain myself from leaping out of my seat and cheering it was like right. the greatest and all i wished was that my grandpa was alive so that we could high five while watching hitler get shot in the face right it's completely misrepresenting what happened yeah, i mean for sure and i can see how a lot of people be like that is fucked like that is not how it went down i was uh, i was talking to uh, someone who works at the abc who said that that's when he turned off from Tarantino right. because of that very scene. Yeah, right. It, did you know if this person's Jewish? Yeah. They are? Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, so yeah. it's it's completely completely bifurcated reaction. Yeah. Um, I loved it. I thought it was amazing. I, look, I've always, and this may, might be a product of growing up in comic book land, is that I've always, and I, uh, look, I don't believe it, believe it, but I like to believe that there are infinite parallel realities yeah. where every option is happening concurrently with and this is just the reality we're in yeah um and hey that's just a movie about the reality where a bunch of guys burst into a cinema and shot hitler in the face yeah and once upon a time in hollywood is the parallel reality where sharon tate didn't get murdered so yeah. I, I i don't have a problem with it having said that if one of my relatives was brutally murdered and it was used as a story point in a comic book maybe i would you know i don't know it, it's, it's fascinating it, yeah it? it's yeah absolutely but i don't know it's it's a weird one. I think I think real world events are you know it's up for grabs. Everything's up for grabs. Yeah. You know, and it's everything is o open to interpretation and reinterpretation and I mean Mouse is one of my favorite right. books. Uh, and if anyone doesn't know, it's a recounting of a, a man's experience in the Holocaust and all it's a comic book 
and all the Jews are depicted as mice and all the Nazis are cats. Yeah. And Which also came out around the same time yeah. as Watchmen and The Dark Knight Returns. Yeah. And, you know, on the surface, that is deeply offensive. Yeah. Uh, and I read it when I was, you know, 12 maybe. Gave it to my grandparents and said, you have to read this. And both of them were like, no way. That is an outrage. Right. It's so offensive. And then they both read it and both said, this is the most accurate representation of what it was like. This is exactly what it was like. Right. Conversely, when they saw Life is Beautiful, the Roberto Benigni movie, they were never more offended. Right. Because in, from their perception, he, you know, he's marching around... Auschwitz with a clown nose on. It's yeah. like, that's not how it went down. Yeah. And so I, I think it's completely subjective. I don't know. I, I, I see, it's funny. I, I'm fine with the Hitler thing, but I still don't know if I'm fine with the Sharon Tate thing. Right. Your, your, your interpretation has given me a lot of food for thought, but yeah. I walked away similar to you. Yeah. Feeling like, is that, I don't know, man. That yeah. was. It's a strange th- feeling, isn't it? Well, I think the other flaw, and I think I've said this to you earlier, the, 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 I think the flaw for me anyway, in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is if you didn't know anything about the slave trade and you didn't know anything about Nazis and you went and saw Django and Bastards, by the time that revenge is happening at the in the last reel, you're on board. Right. I don't know that Once Upon a Time in Hollywood did enough to show me that those murderers deserved to have their faces caved in the way they did right. at the end. Right. I was just like, well, they're just three idiot teenagers probably high on acid and brainwashed. And this brutalization is happening. Yeah. And I haven't been, as the audience member, if I didn't know anything about Manson, I'd be like, what the, what is even happening? That's a good point. I have, you know, my mum was a Sharon Tate fan mm. to a certain extent as a, as a youngster. So I've known about the Manson uh, murders and all of that for mm. decades. So I've never really thought about it from that angle either. But yeah. that's, um, you know, I just kind of enjoyed it because it was Brad Pitt. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a, it's a good point that you're making hey um we should finish up but this is uh, some squid bits little bits and pieces it. that uh i thought you might find interesting feel free to throw in yep. any that you may have found in the chapter um his psychiatrist dr long mm-hmm. keeps a journal just like rorschach so ah. there's a little parallel there and it's fascinating that he um you know he goes, he goes deep as well. On that, just one note about that, because I really mm. noticed this on the reread. His wife turns on him very fucking quickly. Oh, yeah. It's like, because you know, I'm reading it and it's like, you know, uh, the first time they interact, it's like, hee hee hee, let's go boink. Yeah. And then the next time they're reacting, she's all like pissy with him. And then the third time, it looks like they're about to have a divorce. And you would think, oh, okay, this has been going on for weeks. He's lost down a black hole and he's been completely unavailable it's three days yeah give the guy a fucking break it's probably it's probably unfair on her unfair on the 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 the, the, the writing yes 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 yeah Yeah. it's uh it does it does devolve quickly very Um, quickly within two days she's like well fuck you yeah (laughs) i I do i do love the i do love the panel where uh, uh, the, when they're having the people over for dinner and yes. uh, tell us about Rorschach and then he does and then everything's like well that's the end of the party wait well, yeah 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 did, did, well, wait, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna read the line because it's so funny the, the friend says uh, oh boy was the girl tied up and gagged and helpless and the wife says Randy no she was six her abductor killed her butchered her and fed her to his German shepherds and then the next panel is, is so a like cavernous <laughs> awkward silence <laughs> it's, uh, it's such a funny story uh, like I know that's some horrific 
topics, but the beat of it. Oh is yeah, it's very wonderful. Funny. Yeah. yeah. Um, Moore and Gibbons' intended Rorschach's viewpoint of the universe is that it isn't governed by its own laws or gods, but is instead is it is governed by humanity's own moral codes and behaviours that create good and evil. Mm. Um, you know what's interesting about that is that mm. harkens back to Alan Moore's Swamp Thing run as well. Where, How so? So where is... Remember when the oncoming darkness is coming mm. and everyone goes in and has to answer it and oh, they yeah, all get yeah, it wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what the character of Swamp Thing has learnt through his adventures is where is there evil in the forest? Mm. Uh, you know, the this creature kills that creature, that creature yeah. dies, it decomposes, yeah. something grows, another... Do you know what I mean? Yeah, So absolutely. it's interesting to see that kind of come back in as well. Do you do you believe in a universal morality? Do you believe no. that, the, yeah, that there's no. good and evil? No. I, no, I just think there is there is what there is. Yeah, it is what it is. And it, it, it's one of those things where it took me a while to come to that, but it was, yeah, you know, when you watch, funnily enough, it's watching nature documentaries. Absolutely. And, and you go, yep. well, I don't want that leopard to die, but I also don't want that poor deer to die, but, oh, well... That's, I, I said that to a friend of mine who had a lot of trouble watching nature documentaries one time. You know, like, I don't want to watch the animal get killed. And it's mm. like, well, if that animal doesn't get killed, a whole bunch of really cute baby wolves will starve slowly to death. Yeah. So, you know, it, and, and there's no resentment or animosity. Yeah. It's not evil. It just is. Yeah. You know, and it's, and it's quite beautiful. Yeah. That's why I reckon you should be allowed to eat whatever you want, but you have to kill it with your own hands. <laughs> you know? Yeah, you have to strangle a blue whale. Yeah, Man. yeah, yeah. You have to punch on with a panda. Uh, on page 13, panel 4, if you can find it, uh, this comic is so symmetrical, even the coffee stain is symmetrical. Like, the attention to detail is yeah, out oh my of God. control. Yeah, you're right, right. Yeah. Uh, and also, this coffee percolator is mimicking the um, nostalgia bottle. Yes, it's amazing, mm. yeah, isn't it? It really is. Uh, to think that they were doing it monthly as well is unbelievable. Oh, yeah. Well, I think uh, Moore got. Uh, he got. I was about to say Moore got more behind, but Alan got more behind uh, with his scripts, and Dave Gibbons was like saying, "Hey, you know, yeah. I need something to do," and I, I think they were like catching. 40-minute taxis or maybe something even longer were just sending the art, you know, sending really? the, yeah, the wow. scripts and the art well before faxes and st Incredible. Well, stuff like that. Um, not faxes, but the internet. Uh, on page 14, it looks like there's a Beatles poster, which implies that they're still together. So that's a, a, in, a in a universe that is pretty you awful. You fucking nerd. That yeah. is the most... You would need a magnifying glass to see that. But yes, it right. is the Beatles. Right. I did a, I did a real deep dive <laughs> on this. A real deep dive. Uh, so... As uh, <laughs> as we see the psychiatrist's relationship deteriorate, we constantly see the clock time closing in on midnight. Oh, so man. it kind of gets to a very point good. where, you know. You're very good, Justin. I spend a lot of time alone. <laughs> and, uh, if you go to uh, page 19, yeah. and this is, uh, this I found this really fascinating. Okay. The potbelly stove yeah. echoes the Cyclopean... Cyclops, Cyclopean monsters the at squid. the end of the story. Yeah. And Dave Gibbons said, um, Absolutely. this was unintended, but it shows you the amount of work that went into it, that things were kind of popping up anyway. Yeah. And if the, if the big squid represents the end of the comic, then that 
kind of signifies, uh, you know, the end of Walter. The beginning of the end. The yeah. Be- yeah, yeah. That yeah. transition from, you know, hey, we're just costume caperers to yeah. this is real shit now. This is all going down. Yeah. Um, uh, Nietzsche in his book, Thus Spake Zarathustra, or Zarathustra, a book for all, all or none, has the message that metaphysical systems devised by religions and philosophers fail because they're based on the assumption that good men are the opposite of bad men. But Nietzsche argues that both types of men are inspired by the same impulses they just find more direct expressing in evil men. Mm. And that's kind of fascinating as yeah, well. Yeah, that, that reminds me of a... Um, I read that as a kid and I have misread that. And I read that as a kid because I was seeing it quoted in so many of the comics that yeah. I was reading. And, uh, it, you know, that is something that I have to go back over. <laughs> do, you, do, you think that, uh, do you think that most people... Given the, inc- you know, the correct or the inc- more more rightly incorrect circumstances, do have that capacity for great evil. Yeah, look, I, I, I don't think, I would like to think not everybody, but uh, not every, obviously not yeah, everybody, but, but there is the majority. I think there is, there is the potential if you are well, you know what it is. It's like. Um, Pit bulls for years mm. were considered to be horrific dogs that needed to be put down. But mm. then it turned out that if you just treated one quite nicely... It's a lovely dog. It's a lovely dog, <laughs> yeah. you know? And I think people are probably like that as well. Yeah, I read this book uh, when I was much younger called Humanity and it's interviews, first-person interviews with, you know, SS, ex-SS soldiers mm. and men who participated in the Malay Massacre and just, mm. you know, horror upon horror. And the jarring thing is all of them were just normal people. Oh, yeah, for and sure. And they just said yes to something they should have said no to a yep. couple too many times. And all of a sudden, it's that slippery slope. And, you know, Holocaust don't happen because of one charismatic speaker. It happens because yep. a lot of people get on board. And it's uh, it's interesting, isn't it? Uh, when, when I say that, I don't think, uh, you know, you have to treat people well so they, uh, they, they grow up uh, to be loving and giving people. I... I'm, I think there is a responsibility on the parents and then the outer family, then the suburb that you live in yep. and then the people that you're surrounded by and then the society, the society and yeah. it's, you know, yeah, yeah, we yeah. all need to, you know, we're do our best. We're all here together, man. Like he says in the fucking book, we're all locked up here together. Yeah. And uh, finally, there was a small joke in the backup material. Uh, Kovacs was housed as a young kid at the Lillian Charlton Home for Problem Children. And as we know, Rorschach was inspired by The Question, who was also a Charlton Comics superhero. Uh, nice little... Bravo, Justin. Ha- finish on a nice <laughs> note, on a, on a particularly bleak <laughs> issue slash chapter. Hey, uh, thanks for being a part of this and uh, looking forward to chatting more with you about uh, Watchmen and the coming I- issues. Absolutely. Thank you, Justin. And uh, if you enjoyed the podcast, please rate us online and uh, pass us on to the people that you think might enjoy this and uh, the people that you think will probably think this is too nerdy. Well, let's just keep it between us. (laughs) I I much prefer just to have your company. Thank you. Thank you once again to Ben for joining me for this episode. Uh, Ben will be back in time for the last couple of episodes, so I look forward to his company then. Thank you for your company. It is never underestimated and it is always appreciated. I hope I wasn't too tired in the intro and this outro for you. Hopefully I wasn't too rambly. 
Uh, if you're enjoying the podcast and have some spare time, could you please give us a glowing review and ultimate stars on whichever platforms you use. Uh, I had a friend today say that he thinks podcasts are too ubiquitous to have any real impact in uh, the modern era. And while I understand where he's coming from, uh, I have to disagree in that I'm loving making this and I'm loving spending time with all of you. Our next podcast will be for episode seven. And you know what? I'm just going to give you a heads up. I have such a specific and small window in which to record this Monday that finding a guest who is available for that very specific time is starting to look a bit uh, tricky. I was going to say prickly, but I meant tricky. So uh, there's a possibility it might just be you and me. And I hope that's okay. Can you bear to hear me by myself for, for one podcast? Is that all right? It's uh, it's either that or I have to get it out much later. And um, if it's just me, I'll, I'll make certain to add some extras as to, uh, you know, where we go with it, just to make it worth your while. Like I deliberately held back my uh, comic book reading suggestions, which I was going to do in this podcast, but I thought, well, maybe I should hold it for the next one in case it's just me. So, um, don't get me wrong, I'll try and find someone to uh, jump in. There's there's people here, it's just the uh, the timing is turning out to be awkward. But uh, look, uh, you'll definitely be getting a podcast and, uh, you know, let's look at it this way. Maybe you're getting guests, maybe you're not, but that means that this unofficial Watchmen podcast has its own mystery, and it's a low-level mystery, but it is a mystery nonetheless. So theorize away, people, and get to it. Uh, thank you once again, and until next time, take care. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.